would you turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11? And we're going to look at verse 31 this morning, Hebrews chapter 11. I think we have before us this morning one of the most beautiful stories of grace and redemption that you find in the entire Bible. It's a story that tells us that nobody, and I mean nobody, is beyond the reach of God's grace and his redemptive power. Father, your grace is amazing. It really is even more amazing than we know. Lord, you reach out and save people that everyone else gives up on. There's no pit too deep. We thank you for this amazing story before us this morning. May we learn from it, be changed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 31, Hebrews chapter 11, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. It is utterly amazing that that woman named Rahab is included in this chapter. This is Hebrews chapter 11. This is the hall of faith. This is the list of the champions of faith in the Old Testament. Old Testament champions of faith. And Rahab makes this list despite coming from the darkest place you can possibly imagine. And she came from the darkest place that you can possibly imagine. Rahab was a Canaanite woman born and raised in a Canaanite culture which was utterly depraved, idolatrous, and wicked. The Canaanite culture was a demonic culture. They had all their gods and goddesses that they worshipped, and they did so through occultic-type practices. They practiced divination, sorcery, witchcraft. They interpreted omens and cast spells by the power of demons. They were medians that consulted the dead. Satan had a field day in the Canaanite culture. It was dark. The Canaanite culture was also a hypersexualized society. Sexual immorality was rampant. They worshiped these gods and goddesses of fertility. And they were worshiped through sexual acts of immorality with male and female prostitutes in their temples. It was a violent society. They sacrificed some of their children to their gods. A newly born baby slaughtered before a idol. They slaughtered people in the name of their gods and God. This is Rahab grew up in that. That was her culture. And she became depraved. She became a pagan to the core. Rahab never got married. Instead, she became heavily involved in the sex industry of the Canaanite culture. It says here in verse 31 here that she was the harlot 
by faith the harlot Rahab. Now, understand that Rahab shows up in eight verses in the Bible, and in five of those verses, that's how she's referred to, the harlot. Rahab the harlot. That's how she's known. She made a living through sex. She was a prostitute. She sold her body. The Hebrew word for harlot in the Old Testament, there's a slight variation of it, which also speaks of owning or keeping an inn. So most Bible scholars believe that she got real successful as a prostitute and ended up managing a brothel. She was a dirty woman. She sold herself for sex and she sold other women for sex. The Greek word for harlot here is porne. It's where we get our English word pornography. Were she alive today, she no doubt would have been involved in the pornography industry, the sex market, all of that. That's who Rahab was in the darkest depths of depravity. By the way, young woman, my sister, sisters in Christ, have nothing to do with that. You don't want a bunch of wicked perverts lusting over you, using you up. You don't want to be ever allow yourself to be seen as nothing more than a sex object used by men. That's not why you were created. You cover your body. You protect your sexuality. You weren't made for that. That's where Rahab was. And she was miserable in it. And she was in a very dangerous place. She lived in Jericho. In fact, her house was attached to the wall that surrounded Jericho. Her rooftop porch was at the top of the wall. And Jericho was about to be blown off the map. God was going to judge Jericho. He was going to send his army in. Jericho was target number one. And Rahab lived right there. Those walls were going to come down. And that's where her house was. I can't think of a worse spot for a woman. Completely ruined life. No husband, no children, no reputable career. Living in the very city that's targeted for destruction. And yet, God saw her. God knew her. And God heard the silent cries in her heart. See, in her heart, she was crying out, I wish I could be made clean. I wish I could be given a brand new start. I wish... I could be saved and I wish I could be rescued. See, something was happening in Rahab's heart where she was starting to respond to the revelation of this God of Israel. It's very clear from the book of Joshua that all the Canaanites living in the land 
were aware of the children of Israel and they were aware of the God of the children of Israel. They had heard about God, how he had redeemed them out of Egypt, the ten plagues. They had all heard of stories of the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. The Canaanites were terrified of Israel and they were terrified of the God of Israel. Everyone in Jericho was also terrified of the God of Israel. Rahab was terrified. Yet something different was happening in her. She was turning to him. She was crying out to him. And we know that. Because she speaks these words to the spies. As recorded in Joshua chapter 2. Words from Rahab the harlot. She says to the spies, the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. So she's responding. She's becoming a believer. And God here, listen, if you just turn a little, no matter where you are in life, if you recognize your need for God and you begin to turn to him, he's coming for you. And he heard Rahab's call. He heard Rahab's cries. And so he was going to save Rahab. And he immediately begins implementing Operation Rescue Rahab. It mentions the spies. The Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Maybe you remember the story. Um, Commander Joshua and his military council, they're, they're getting ready to come into the land of Jericho. And they're outside the promised land. And, and Joshua says, we need some intel. We need some military. So two spies are sent. They're going into the promised land and they specifically go into Jericho. And they go in disguise, of course. And they end up inside the city of Jericho. And by the providential leading of God, they meet Rahab. Rahab recognizes those two strangers as Israelites, gives them safe lodging at her inn, her house. It's discovered by the king of Jericho that they're spies. Have entered. He sends his soldiers. Rahab has hid the two slides, two spies at the top of the roof under little stalks of flax. The soldiers knock on her door. Hey, are those spies in there? And she says, No. They were here, but they left. In fact, I saw them go out the gate right there just before dark. Hurry, you can catch them. She lied to them, and they took off on that bunny trail. Now, a lot of debate has been held over the years among Christians about she lied. Can you believe she lied? Yeah, she did lie. And you know what? In war, false intel is a pretty good strategy, don't you think? So I'm cutting her some slack. Also, she's a baby believer. And this is exactly why she made it into Hebrews chapter 11. Look, she 
This was courageous. She could have lost her life. She protected those spies. If those soldiers bust down the door, they kill the spies, they kill her. It was a great act of faith because she's believing in the God of those two spies. Well, we find out that they had made an arrangement. Rahab had told the spies, I'll cover for you. Now you need to save me and my household. And the spies agreed to do that. So she gets a scarlet cord. It's a rope, a red rope. She lowers the spies down out of that window in the wall so that they can escape. And the spies had told her before, if you want to be saved, keep that red rope, that scarlet cord, visible in your window. And make sure that your parents and your brothers and sisters are in that house. And so that arrangement has been made. Now I want you to just sort of sit back and think about this for just a moment. Joshua and those spies, they had a plan, didn't they? They're going to go collect intel. But what was God's plan? Did he need military intel? And what would have been the benefit of any type of military intel that they got? Nobody would predict what he was going to do to the city of Jericho. God was thinking about Rahab. God heard the cries of Rahab the harlot. And he sent two men into that city, two spies, to make the arrangements by which she would be redeemed. That was God's plan. And just so you know, my brother and sister in Christ, that is always God's priority. God is always looking for people to save. And he is always looking for those that are crying out for help. And God is always looking to send his people. To answer the cries of the most desperate. Don't you ever forget that. You know, as as Christians, we go about our life and we make our plans. We do our thing. And we should. We have plans. But ask the Lord to make you sensitive to the cries of the people all around you. Take good note of the people that God is leading you to. And be ready to share the truth with them. Rahab is saved. As you know, the army comes. They parade around the city once for six days. And then on the seventh day, they march around the city seven times. They blow the horn. They shout. The walls collapse. Except for one section. That section of the wall that has a little window in it marked by a scarlet cord. Rahab and her parents and her 
brothers and sisters are physically saved. And I want you to know that Rahab ended up being saved in every way that you can possibly imagine. She joined Israel. She became a part of their group. She became a woman of God. She served. And eventually, she fell in love with a wonderful man of God from the tribe of Judah named Salmon. Some even think that Salmon was one of the two spies. Now, wouldn't that be a cool story? The spy who loved me, right? She meets the man of her dreams, a godly man. They get married. They have a son by the name of Boaz. Boaz grows up and becomes the kinsman redeemer and husband of a woman named Ruth. Ruth and Boaz have a son by the name of Obed, who grows up to have a son by the name of Jesse, who grows up to have a son by the name of David, King David. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, Jesus Christ is born to the lineage of David. Matthew chapter 1 lists the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And guess who's in the list? Rahab. And in that passage, she's not called the harlot Rahab. Just plain Rahab. This was a woman who was saved in every way. This is a woman that nobody would have thought could be helped. Her physical life was saved. She became a believer. She was saved out of a life of cruelty, dark sexual immorality. She becomes a wife, a mother, and a member of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Our God saves. And he saves to the uttermost. And don't you ever forget it. I'm reminded of the story in John chapter 4 where Jesus went out of his way to meet the Samaritan woman at the well. He went out of his way. This woman had five husbands. Five failed marriages, living with a guy, utterly broken. Jesus went out of his way to find that broken woman, and he saved her. Mary Magdalene, before she came to Christ, was a demoniac. She was possessed by demons. Did you know that? And she was also a prostitute, a harlot. Christ saved her. I think of the woman that was brought to Jesus in John chapter 8, caught in the act of adultery. 
And there are the religious leaders. You know, that's what religion does. Stoner. Jesus said, he who's without sin casts the first stone. Picked that woman up. Forgave her. Go and sin no more. Matthew was a tax collector. A playboy. Scum of the earth. Jesus saved him. Paul the Apostle persecuted the church before he became a Christian. Had Christians put in jail, God saved him. I remember the story of the demoniac that Jesus meets. There's a young man who was living in a cemetery, possessed by a legion of demons. Jesus goes across the Sea of Galilee on purpose to deliver that man. He saves. He hears the cries of a broken heart. And he sends his people. I want you to know the Lord Jesus Christ can save you. Some of you might be here and you think, I am the worst sinner that's ever lived. There's no way I cannot be forgiven. And maybe you sit here with guilt that you've been carrying for a long time. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ can save you. And he saves you through this amazing sacrifice. The cost of salvation was great. Christ came and offered his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Our sins were placed upon him. He died in our place so that all of our sins could be washed away and forgiven. And if you just simply place your faith in Jesus Christ, if you come, if you admit, if you hold that hand up and say, Lord, pick me out, take me out of this pit, he will. He'll save you, he'll forgive you. Brand new start. Can happen right now. You know, it's interesting that scarlet cord, a red cord, marking the place for salvation. The red shed blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life. Marks you for salvation. Have you received him? And my brother and my sister in Christ. Let us never forget what God has done in our lives. Amen. The forgiveness that he's given us. And let us always be sensitive. To others that still need to hear that story. Let us not be the type of people that sort of, you know, walk away from the messy people. Somebody else will deal with that. Hear their cries. Share with them. 
The power of the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all sin. One night in a church service, a young woman felt the tug of God at her heart. She responded to God's call and accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. The young woman had a very rough past involving alcohol, drugs, and prostitution. But the change in her was evident. As time went on, she became a faithful member of the church. She eventually became involved in the ministry, teaching young children. It was not very long until this faithful young woman had caught the eye and the heart of the pastor's son. The relationship grew. They began to make wedding plans. This is when the problems began. You see, about one half of the church did not think that a woman with a past such as hers was suitable for a pastor's son. The church began to argue and fight about the matter. They decided to have a meeting. As the people made their arguments and tensions increased, the meeting was getting completely out of hand. The young woman became very upset about all the things being brought up about her past. As she began to cry, the pastor's son stood. He could not bear the pain it was causing his wife to be. He began to speak, and his statement was this. My fiancé's past is not what is on trial here. What you are questioning is the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash away sin. Today, you put the blood of Jesus on trial. So does it wash away sin or not? The whole church began to weep as they realized they'd been slandering. The blood of Jesus Christ. Too often, even as Christians, we bring up the past and use it as a weapon against our brothers and sisters. Forgiveness is a very foundational part of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the blood of Jesus does not cleanse the other person completely, then it cannot cleanse us completely. And if that is the case, then we are all in a lot of trouble. But that's not the case, is it? The blood of Christ washes away all sin, the dirtiest, the grossest. The type that never even sees the light of day. Do you believe in that grace? Let's bow our heads. Lord, we are so lost without your grace, each and every one of us. And we thank you that you made it possible for our sins to be forgiven, wiped clean. And I pray that as your people, we would never forget the power of that miracle in our lives and the cost. I pray that it would motivate us to reach out to others in need. And Lord, right now, I want to pray for anyone here right now who needs to be saved and redeemed. 
possibly even out of a very bad situation. The Lord hears your cries. The Lord shed his blood for your forgiveness. Receive him into your life. Let him save your soul. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer right now. Say, Lord, I'm responding. I am responding to your goodness and your grace. I'm putting my trust in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for your shed blood. Mark my life with your blood. Save me. Wash them all away. Brand new start, Lord. Redeem my life. Fill me with your spirit and make me, turn me into a person man or woman who loves you and serves you and speaks of you. Shine through my life. Mm. Amen. Let's stand.